like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years. Flex 7 outer shell fabric delivers a perfectly broken in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 outer shell fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash flex7. Flex 7, powered by enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Welcome to Politics and Tactics. We got a great guest for you tonight who's pitch hitting for Steve. Super Steve couldn't make it tonight, so we asked Brian to come on, but Brian's a little sore about it, but we explained to him that he was on the agenda. We just moved him up. But his chief, Jim Silvernail, says that he's the best number two ever, so we really appreciate him coming on because it's always the number two guy that gets everything done. So, Brian, we appreciate you coming on today. Brian, you know, if some of our listeners don't know Brian, Brian's the guy you just want to go up and talk to at FDIC. He's a consummate professional. He's very personable. And what I really like is he's the guy that you call or you send him an email. He gets right back to you, always gives you cogent information. He's the first one to step up to try to make any project just that much better. And it's an honor to have Brian on the show. And Brian also is going to be the new president of the Instructor Society. So, Brian, uh, welcome to the show. Notice I didn't say the last name because I always mispronounce it. So I was trying to be respectful. So why don't you tell our... Our, our viewers, your last name. Yeah, it's uh, Brian Zeitz. Zeitz, uh, it's all good. Appreciate that. And uh, thanks for the kind words. I'm not sure it's all true, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> no, it, it's it's all true. And, you know, I know you have a show on fire engineering. So a lot of our listeners will be, you know, have probably seen your show and know who you are. I mean, you had a keynote speech on the largest stage in the fire service has to offer. So people know who you are. But I'm sure there's some people who are watching the show who don't know who you are. So could you say, you know, what department you're from and sure. um, what's going to happen at FDIC this year with the, the new role? Yeah. So uh, I'm Brian Zeitz, like you said, and uh, I'm currently working as the assistant chief of operations and training at uh, Kirkwood Fire Department in Missouri, a uh, small suburb uh, just outside of St. Louis County. Work uh, there with my good friend and fire chief, uh, Jim Silvernail. So uh, very fortunate to uh, to work together um, in that organization. Uh, as you stated, this year at FDIC, I'll be taking over the reins as the uh, president of the International Society of Fire Service Instructors. Um, so I've been with the organization a little over 11 years now. And so uh, I've been fortunate to be on the board uh, for uh, about nine of those years. Um, and so we'll be taking over president. And so there's a lot of good things coming at FDIC this year with the ISFSI. I'm sure we'll talk about a, a few of those. But uh, I would encourage anybody, um, if you need more information on it, go to our website, isfsi.org. Or reach out to me on social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, Twitter. Um, you can email me. It's real complicated. It's my first and last name at Gmail. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, get a hold of me, and uh, I can I can get you the information you need. But uh, I'm a huge advocate for the society. Uh, obviously, as the president, but also a member that's benefited greatly uh, from the uh, the members and the uh, ability to be in the, in the program. So yeah, that's that's what do you call it? So yeah. explain what the instructor society actually does though i mean like because a lot of people who are instructors still don't know so what's the society if i say i become a member tomorrow yep what's it what's it mean kind of break it down 
Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of organizations out there in the fire service and, and there's the IFC, the IFF, the, the, the NVFC, like, right. We, I call it the alphabet soup of the fire service. Um, it's, it's all these organizations. And so the, the ISFSI or the instructor society, if you will, um, really is, is tailored towards those fire training officers or fire instructors, company officers um, in their organizations, right. That, that are, that are leading trainings that are trying to do the right thing to uh, better their department through organizational change, um, training, education, development, those sort of things. And so we're truly, I say this, you know, somewhat uh, real in that the fact that we are truly an international organization. Um, if you look at some of them, they may have a member or two that maybe represents internationally, but but literally we have members across the entire world. So we have around 2000 members. Uh, we just picked up a member who's the fire chief of the Kenyan airport. And so, you know, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's so crazy, right? So, th so this this gentleman joined, um, and he's reached out a couple times already, uh, and and we've provided him some resources and things to to better the airport at Kenya. And so, you know, it, and that's the network and 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 kind of the reach of the ISFSI that many other organizations really don't have. Uh, we have members in Canada, uh, South America, Europe, uh, Asia, and then of course in Africa, and then and, and of course like most. Uh, predominant majority of our membership is in the United States. So, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a great organization. And like I said, uh, as we go through, I'll kind of highlight a few of the, uh, the, the advantages, if you will, of becoming a member. Yeah, but um, please do that. But one thing I want to want to talk about, the president is an elected position, but you guys, the instructor society has term limits. Is, is that true? Yeah, I knew. Yeah, here's the politics of the term limits, right? Let's get the term limits. So yes, we. So as as a as an organization, we just adopted a new set of bylaws, and we have a new strategic plan that'll be coming out this year at FDIC. I'm very excited about that. Uh, it's the second strategic plan of the ISFSI that I've had, a, had an opportunity to be a part of. But uh, we, when I first started on the board at ISFSI, um, we recognized that you could literally be on the board of ISFSI almost 20 years. And, uh, you know, and, and you might say, well, that's great, right? You're, you're going to have these constant people in these positions and blah, blah, blah. You, you do, but but you don't allow new ideas and new thoughts to come through because, you know, I would do two years at a director at large and then two years as a Western regional director and then two years as first five or four year, two terms, I should say, in each of these roles. And then two additional terms as the president. Well, by the end of it, I'd been on the, the board for almost 20 years. Um, and so we kind of identified that that's probably not the most healthy thing uh, in, in the society. And so we introduced term limits. So uh, the longest really anybody could be on the board now, uh, per se, would be about 12 years. And, and that'll, that'll probably be right about what I'll be. Uh, I had one term where it was that double term limit thing. So I'm kind of the anomaly and uh, on the way out of what that is. But, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's a good thing, I think, for the organization. It's good for the members. Um, and I think it's the right, right concept for ISFSI. I won't get into the other politics that you'll probably want to talk about the term limits, but it's the right thing for the ISFSI, I believe. No, that makes sense. And just, just so that our listeners have a clear answer. So how many terms can you be president for and how long is your term as president? So I will take over. So our annual meeting is at FDIC every year. Uh, it's on the last, uh, it's on the Friday of FDIC uh, and I'll get sworn in Friday and then I'll do a two year term, one, two year term. Um, at which point I'll come off as the president. I'll remain an advisor to the new president. So kind of you, you play that past president's role, um, just kind of giving some historical perspective and that sort of stuff. And, and 
you know, any advice that are maybe the new president would need on, on, on items or anything like that and help with the transition. But, uh, but that's about it. And so, yeah, it's kind of, it's a little bittersweet because like I said, I've been on this board for almost 11 years now uh, or nine years now. And, uh, and so two more years and then it's going to be like, wow, it's over. Now what do I do? So, uh, but I, but I, I almost assure you that silver else probably got more work for me after those two years. Are up. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure he does. I yeah. am sure he does. So what are the benefits? Oh, well, let's do this. What's your vision for the next two years? Because a two-year term is actually really, really a very small term. I mean, even most politicians would say to be effective, you really need a three to four-year term because the first year you're just trying to figure out how everything works. I think you're in a very unique position because you've been there for so long. You kind of know all the levers and how to move things. But a, a two-year term is a is a tough is a tough term. So so you gotta you gotta hit the you gotta hit the floor running here, Brian. So right, what's your vision for the instructor society? And Sam Villani, our co-host, has joined us along with his cat. Um, I see that planning over the world. But, Good evening. Uh, <clears throat> Sorry for the lateness. I'm chasing around a three-year-old. <laughs> no problem. No problem. That's that's, awesome. that's what we love about this show. Cats, three-year-olds. Um, so. What's your vision for what you'd like to do in your two years as president? Because you only got two years to leave your mark. So I'll, I'll start with our strategic plan. So we, we developed a new strategic plan uh, in uh, fall of 23 uh, that'll go into effect. And really, it started already in January 24, and we'll unleash it to the members at FDIC. So we, we've kind of put out bits and pieces of it already. Uh, but we introduced the concept that we, we like to call TEACH. Um, and we we kind of came up with that as our as our driving force uh, as what instructors do. So if you think about the instructor or training officer, what do they do? They teach. And so with that acronym, we've identified that we train firefighters to be better at their craft. We educate firefighters on the newest innovations and in science related to fire extinguishment and tactics. We advocate for the fire service in any capacity that we can as an instructor society. We advocate. Or, I'm sorry. We advocate. We collaborate with other organizations. So um, if you look at Dr. Lori Moore and the Union's Fire Administration and her latest message of one voice, we, we, we correlate with that, with the idea of the collaboration. And then, of course, we honor the past, those members that have gone before us, as well as those people that have set the foundation for our success as ISFSI. So following that, my vision for ISFSI is to build upon the relationships that we currently have with, with members in the fire service, whether it be fire engineering and FDIC, um, and those those great folks there that we you know annually host our meeting at the U.S. Fire Administration. We already got one project in the works for the National Volunteer Fire Council, as well as the North American Fire Training Directors. And we're constantly looking for opportunities that we can kind of collaborate our ideas so that we can work together as one fire service. And that's really at the completion of my term in two years. I really want to have stronger relationships and really have the ISFSI as a, as a name that's commonplace in the fire service and not so much like, who's that? Who are those five letters? I've heard those people. They're the people that do the one award a year for the instructor person, but I don't really know much about them. So really that's, that's my goal uh, at the end of this two-year term is to really make ISFSI um, a, a firehouse kitchen table name. Now you mentioned, you said company officers, instructors, is there a place for a firefighter who sees themselves becoming an instructor to reach out to start trying to build because that's one of the issues I see a lot of times in the fire service. It's like the firefighter who wants to be an officer who does nothing to get any leadership training or officer training yeah. until they become an officer. And it's already too late. 
So that reputation that you build as a firefighter really is going to pay dividends and be part of your credibility as an instructor. So is there anything there for the firefighter who says, you know what, I'm, I may want to be an instructor. Can this organization help build me? So the, the first thing I'll start with is the biggest, the, I guess the, the most financially impactful benefit, right, to the firefighter is you get 10% off your FDSE registration. So dollars and cents, our membership pays for itself in your FDSE registration by getting that 10% off. So right there, boom, you pay for yourself, right? Um, but but on the the membership aspect of it, there, there's tremendous benefits, right? So you're you're the you're the firefighter that's thinking about becoming an instructor. You're the firefighter that wants to become a company officer. Uh, as I said, we have you know 2,000 members, um, and we have a formal mentoring program. So if, if you join as a member and you come in and you say, hey, listen, I need assistance with X, Y, or Z, uh, we will hook you up with somebody that that matches those skill sets, and that's someone that that kind of correlates with the same size department as you as a mentor and the person to assist you. Um, and I don't know many other organizations that have that ability to do that. So huge benefit right there, right? So uh, we had a success story of a, of a lieutenant uh, in a small town department in the Midwest. Um, he had some things, some politics, right? So politics and tactics. Politics took over a fire department and all of a sudden this lieutenant became the training officer. And uh, he was a member of, I he joined the ISFSI. He didn't know anything about being a training officer. He said, man, I, I don't, I don't even know where to start with a policy, a procedure, a training program, or anything like that. And so we hooked them up with a bunch of documents, a bunch of SOGs. We hooked them up with a couple of people to create a professional network forum. And, and that member was successful in his role now as a training officer. And, uh, and, and the benefit that he, that the benefit the ISFSI provided him and his organization to be successful in that new training officer role that not saying he wouldn't have been, because I think he's a pretty strong cat. Um, but, you know, he had the foundation for success, knowing that if, you know, if something were to go awry or, or falter, he could just make a couple phone calls to his network uh, that we built for him uh, quickly and uh, and get the problem solved. Do you guys have a like a policy or standard operating guidelines or standard operating procedures library? So, for example, my department's putting in a high rise policy. Is there a place I can go and look at similar sized departments to see what they're doing is that is that something or is it more informal? So we so we we don't have SOGs per se. Like we, we don't have a repository of like departmental SOGs, right? That's not our that's not our wheelhouse. But what we do have is is almost over pretty close to almost two hundred what we call instructograms, right? So you're the company officer, you're the firefighter, and you're looking for materials on X, Y, or Z. So example, um, you know, I'm looking at our, our website right now. Um, you're looking for curriculum development and implementation of a battalion department training levels. You're looking, you know, Chief Dryman of Indianapolis, he, he put in here for us um, his SOG on establishing a field training officer program, right? So, so you know, some of those things exist to our members, driver operator training and, and, and performances, performance standards, uh, you know, uh, Chief Buchanan, he put in here the firefighter fatality incident report after action for a fire fatality. Um, and these and the, and the cool thing about these UTV driver safety um, and, and there's a bunch of those. Right. Like I said, almost nearly 200 of those instructograms, you know, one to several page documents that are downloadable to our members. So, you know, is, is your that new, you know, like I said, you know, the aspiring firefighter is aspiring to be company officer. Now you have an index of material to go to that you can reference and, and, and you know, curtail to your organization. 
you're the company officer, training officer. You're not trying to recreate the wheel. Um, you know, you, you look at, and I just used the example of UTVs, right? Everybody's getting UTVs now in the fire service. We're all looking for policies, procedures, training grams, or whatever. We, we have several just on our website that our members are available to. So, you know, there's all kinds of that stuff. Then that's just in one library aspect of a membership benefit in, in terms of being able to log into our website. I, I just got a, a text and they said, if they join the Instructor Society and you become their mentor, do they have an open invite for Christmas Eve or Thanksgiving this year? You got to pull Absolutely. out couch, yeah. right? What's that? You got to pull out couch, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The holidays is right. Like, how can I say no to any... Any firefighter on the holidays. So absolutely. So so Sam joins the instructor society and he is talking to his mentor and he say he is putting together a, a training policy for something. Is it is that a proper place to reach out and say, hey, do you have other contacts who I can reach out to to get these policies? Because my brother just became I think he's the assistant or some training officer in Rocky Hill volunteer fire department now he just retired and he wants to be more active and he calls me up non-stop do you have this do you have this do you have this i'm like john you're driving me crazy so now i want to be able to say i got the guy that can mentor you john he's a great firefighter but the training thing and he was great battalion chief is uh, kind of a new he's coming out to fdic for the first time this awesome. year so yeah i Definitely hook them up. But is that something where they could reach out to their mentor and say, hey, I'm teaching a class on this. Can you give me a couple examples type of thing? Yeah. And that's I, I think that's probably one of the biggest benefits, you know, in the fire service. We all see it at FDIC every year we go up there is that networking. Right. And so, you know, FDIC or ISFSI, you know, and I think we can all agree in the fire service. It's all about opening doors. Right. We, we all got to where we are because we were willing to walk through that open door. Somebody opened a door for us or afforded us an opportunity to, you know, do something that was outside the norm. Right. Um, I don't know, Frank, you're probably the anomaly, but you know, most of us joined the fire service to ride backwards on a truck, go on fires. Never did we think we're going to do podcasts, write a book, teach FDSC, any of the things we're doing now. Uh, but doors were opened or afforded to us uh, through contact, uh, through members, whatever uh, introductions. And so I think that's one of the biggest thing ISFSI does is that it opens those doors and puts people together with the right people. And so our network, like I said, is almost 2000 members and we have everybody from very small rural fire departments to very large metropolitan fire departments. Um, if you look at some of our, of our members uh, you know, we have uh, uh, chief Simmons, who's the training officer of Oakland, California, you know, as, as a big city a member we have uh, Chief Ellis, who's a, uh, a district chief um, out in Boston. Um, and so, you know, and then you, you got guys like myself, right? Small suburban America. Um, so, you know, we can hook you up with whatever you kind of need. Chief Dryman of Indianapolis, like I said, training guy. Um, and, you know, we got we got FDIC guys, uh, Anthony Villas on our board. Um, so so we have a lot of, of really strong people. Chief Schaefer, um, if you think about, you know, again, Boston, he's on our board. Um and, and does a lot with UL. Uh, so Chad Christensen, I mean, I could, I could go off names and names and I, just, I don't want to name drop on people, but you know, we, we have a, a variety of people that are more than willing to assist and work with anybody um, and, and get you in contact with the right people to make yourself successful as an instructor, training officer, or even just a firefighter who's trying to learn more about the job. Sam. Yeah. Um, 
I actually was a member. Uh, my department paid for me when I got to the academy as a recruit training officer. And um, I didn't know about the FDIC registration uh, hook. About. Look, I think if you, if you put that out, um, I mean, if you socialize that enough, I think you, you would, people would be beating down your door because everybody's looking for, a, you know, the people that have to pay their way, you know, look, looking for a break. And a lot of those folks are instructors. And um, I, I regret not being active because, uh, as it turned out, um, I was so busy in that office um, and I was starting a family, uh, it, it, it just, I just didn't have the time. Like it was, I was being pulled in every direction. Um, my job at the recruit training Academy as a captain was the busiest job I've had in the fire service. And, uh, I joined IFSI, FSI with, with the, um, intention of, you know, again, getting that networking piece going. And, uh, you know, we have a, um, Maryland, they have an, uh, an academy of state uh, fire service instructors that meets monthly, and that's a good networking opportunity for the state. But you know how it is. You, you meet people from outside your area, and you come up with great ideas that, you, that you're able to implement, uh, especially when it comes to training. Um, there's so much uh, just a crazy uh, amount of, of just top-notch, next-level stuff going on in the training community in the fire service that that a lot of people um they see and uh if you i think if you had that benefit of being a member maybe maybe you could uh create that nexus to get it going in your department yeah sam i yeah. didn't know about the 10 percent discount either for fdic so I, <laughs> I never heard of that never never you know put that out to people because a lot of you know nobody from new haven ever went to fdic and now with chief Walston, new haven's having individuals uh, sign up on their own and some that the department are sending. So there's a lot of those individuals don't know. The meeting at FDIC, Brian, is that closed or can somebody come and join and meet individuals at FDIC? So we have several events throughout FDIC, right? So so this year at FDIC, we're going to be doing, um, we, we have, I think, over 50 instructors, ISFSI members that are actually teaching at FDIC throughout the week. So that's pretty exciting for us. As an so if you didn't get in at FDIC, it's because Brian got his people in. Just saying. that's right. That's right. Yeah, because I got that. Because you know I got that kind of pull, right? Yeah, exactly. Not even close. Uh, no, but I think that's a testament to the quality of people that we have as members, right? So that's a good thing. Um, but it, you know, throughout the week we have several events. Obviously, uh, on Tuesday night we have our social. Um, so it kind of culminates. A lot of people come in on Tuesday. Um, it is a, a pre-registration event. Only members. Um, and so it, we, we charge a $25 fee for that, but I will tell you that you get, um, uh, a huge food spread and a open, uh, bar for about three hours. Uh, and there's a lot of, uh, prominent members of the fire service that are going to be there. Uh, last year we had a uh, U.S. fire administrator stop by to say, hi, we've had the, uh, FDIC, uh, education director stop by before. And so, uh, you know, it's a good opportunity for our members to network, um, as well as kind of talk fire service stuff with other people that are, you know, at FDIC during that week. So we have, we have this year's a little different. We're going to have quite a few different special guests. Um, I'm pretty excited about that and uh, more to come on that to our members uh, as they join. Uh, on Wednesday, we are going to be working with the Indianapolis Fire Department at their training tower. We're revamping our 1403 live fire program. So uh, our structure cadre for that are actually going to be going out there for a couple hours and uh, revamping a couple of our um, drills 
and uh, and stuff for that on day two of our three day program. So uh, very exciting for that. Uh, we have a board meeting on Wednesday night, and then our uh, general membership meeting is on Friday. Uh, so Friday morning at 9 a.m., we'll be having our general membership again for members only. Uh, but if you join now, you can still join. Come to the meeting. Uh, we'll be discussing our strategic plan. We'll have a swearing in of our new officers, um, answering questions amongst the members and kind of providing an overview overview of, again, the member benefits. Because, you know, as we find out, sometimes members don't always recognize everything that's afforded to them. Um, you guys mentioned the 10 percent off for FDIC, but we have several other discounts from uh, Columbia Southern. Uh, Blue Card, um, Jones and Bartlett, that all offer discounts to our members. Um, so it's currently a membership's $135. Uh, there's discounts if your department joins, large department, small department, how many members you want your department to be there. Um, but, you know, as I say, you know, uh, and not to, not to, to wash $135 is quite a bit of money. I'm not knocking that. But the ability, the network, and the, the, the value I think that $135 provides to you as a fire service professional is a small um, you know, investment in your, in your career and the opportunities that the ISFSI can provide to you to advance yourself career or volunteer. Now, does your organization have a representative that's on the NFPA committees when it comes to training and things of that nature? Yeah. So we, it's, it's interesting. So ISFSI has, uh, has members on several different NFPA committees and when uh, the AFG grant cycle comes out, uh, ISFSI is a contributing member uh, to have people sit on the grant review cycles. So annually we get, you know, the AFG grants. Hey, can you guys come on and send, you know, anywhere from eight to 12 members? And so I always tell people like, hey, if you apply for an AFG grant, they're like, oh, yeah, I always get turned down. I'm like, well, we'll go review them for a week and see what they're looking for. And I guarantee you the next year they'll have greater success. So, uh, you know, again, a non-financial, men- a non-financial benefit, but you know, for a lot of people in departments, they just don't even know where to start on some of these things, right? They don't, how would I ever get on a grant, on an NFPA committee? How would I ever get to review an AFG grant? And so there again, what can the ISFSI do? It can open that door and show you the way through to make yourself a better fire service professional. So yeah, we have several members on NFPA committees. Um, you know, the new 1020 standards coming out, we have members on that. We have members on 1403. Um, so yeah, we're, we're heavily involved in those things. Yeah, I was going to ask, um, that was going to be one of my questions was, was if you had an audience with the NFPA and do, do you, do you guys meet as a, uh, do you have a committee or, or a group within, um, the society that, that meets and, uh, like, let's say there's something in 1403 you wanted to change or 1001 that you wanted to change. And, um, I guess your conduit would be your members that are, that are members of, um, of, of the different panels, but, um, do you have, you have something like that set up? Yeah, so so we have subcommittees, uh, obviously for for various different groups, uh, not just NFPA, but for training and different things like that. Mentoring has a subgroup, uh, our, our online publications and things like that. Um, and so those those committees meet. Uh, they present their ideas, thoughts to the board, and then the, the board provides the you know the oversight and says yes or no. We're going to pursue that um, just so we have a checks and balances, so that we're not just having a couple of people that, you know, think we should change and we should put gasoline on fortune or three live fires. And like, wait, wait, where did that come from? Yeah. You know, like, Hey, let's, let's, you know, cause you know, every, every organization has got a couple rogue or something. And, and so, you know, we, we always want to best vet everything through that. So uh, that's kind of how we, we run the programs, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's very good. I think we have a, a, a solid voice in the fire service. We're, we're members of, of several organizations. Uh, we're huge contributors to the congressional fire service Institute. 
Um, almost every one of our board members is a member of that. So from the politics side of it, you know, we are active in that aspect too. So it's, uh, it's good. One of our last shows, Sam and I and Mike Nasty from PG County and Dave Polikoff, we were talking about 1403. And I know that you and I had a conversation about this too offline that yes, when a recruit comes into the academy, you know, maybe doing that first walkthrough makes sense so that they know how to open up the, the hinge doors on the burn room and everything. And having the instructors walk through before each burn makes absolute sense with, you know, ensuring that their thermal imaging works and everything. But that walkthrough requirement each time there's a live burn was really born out of incompetent instructors, right? I think we can we can all agree that there was needless firefighter deaths and unfortunately, and this is just my opinion, it led to a overreaction instead of a correction. And now we want people to be able to have the confidence because as soon as they leave the academy, that first night they leave the academy, they may get a fire. So we want them to build confidence and having them go through a burn room that's completely empty with no furniture in it, no, you know, or where the metal furniture's uh, mounted to the floor. And, and I think you mm -hmm. mentioned, you know, you can use theatrical smoke, you can do other things. But now that instructors, if the instructors are certified, they are following everything, can we can we revisit or at least start the conversation that maybe we don't need to walk through every time that we want to challenge those individuals? And yes, it's it's still the easy bake oven if it's a propane fire, but to the recruit that's coming in, that's all they've ever seen. So they have that heightened level of stress. And when they're searching an empty room, it just doesn't match the operational realities that they're not even close, even in their mind of what, and they just get overconfident on running the evolutions and it almost gets routine. Sam, you want to weigh in on this before Brian answers so he can have time to put together his answer? Yeah, no, I, I certainly, um, you know, you think about it, like we, we, we're all about, listen, we want to prevent any anything from um, unduly happening that, that we can prevent in the training environment. And I think the whole walkthrough is, is a part of that NFPA 1403. But like, like we talked about in the last show, um, if, if, we, if we can't eliminate that, is there a way, and maybe that's something, you know, um, the society can look at, or, or maybe you already are looking at it. I was going to ask what your like big three things are these days anyway, but um, a, a way to kind of make it unique. Um, I, I don't know, like uh, a, a general walkthrough and then, then having rooms that maybe they're not, not uh, they're not, they haven't done a full walkthrough. I know, you know, we do a full building walkthrough from top to bottom and we do a 1403 uh, walkthrough, but um yeah, that we were just talking about that because you, it's almost like giving them the answers to the test, and uh, we want them to feel. You want to you want to make it as real as possible, and one of the biggest I think challenges is getting them to feel that feeling of of um, uh, strangeness or or you know like hey I've 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 never I don't know the layout of this thing. Um, I know it's an apartment building, uh, you know, the setup or whatever. I know I'm going to have a couple bedrooms, a kitchen, a bathroom, um, that kind of thing. But anyway, that's, yeah, that's what we were talking about last, last classes. You know, that's a big challenge and, 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 you know, maybe that's something they could, they can think about, uh, pushing. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree with any of those things. You know, 1403 has always been one of those, <clears throat> 
I don't, I don't want to call it necessary evil because that doesn't sound right, but it's, you know, um, and I'm a big, as an instructor, I'm a big objectives guy. And so I always, I always question when we're going to do live burns, what is the objective? Like what, what in live burn in the live fire environment cannot be accomplished with digital fire, theatrical smoke, um, uh, anything like that. Right. So short of flowing water and seeing the fire go out, most everything else could be simulated. Um, and for the most part with our 1403 compliance, whether it be, you know, class B or even class A materials, I think we can all agree. We're not really mimicking real world fire conditions, right? We're not, most of the fires we're going on today, uh, you know, post flashover, pre flashover, near flashover, whatever. Um, and we're not getting anywhere near that, right? In, in a, in a 1403 container. I mean, so, you know, the idea that, you know, what, what could we do differently? Um, I'm a huge advocate of, you know, if we can get acquired structures, smoking those things up, leaving them like they are, filling them full of furniture. I think for me personally, that's a much better realistic training. Um, you very rarely see anybody wanting to do acquired structure fires uh, just because the logistics of it's tough. Um, but everybody wants to smoke them up, right? Everybody wants to get the smoke machines out and theatrical smoke. That's when they want to use the digital, the, the digital panels. And then we go to a burn tower and we say to ourselves, well, it's a burn tower. We must burn in it, right? It, it, you know, I always say it's like, you know, it's when we invented the PowerPoint. Well, if we invent the PowerPoint, we must have 135,000 slides from PowerPoint because more is less or more is better. And I think to ourselves like, well, you know, one of the things I've been working on with, with the company is the idea that a burn tower is not a burn tower. Maybe it's a training tower and, and, and reinventing that idea of what, what that should look like. And does that look like maybe a flashover simulator on the outside? We've seen a lot of what UL does with the exterior fire. Um, if you look at their wildland, uh, the, the wildland study they're doing right now with, with heat exchange and things like that on siding, on windows, you know, they built this little small compartment, filled it full of realistic furniture, lit it off and let it, let it flash, right? Well, we all know we couldn't do that inside the building, right? We can't do that inside a 1403 container. But on the outside, where no one's making entry, could we do that? So, so does does the paradigm change for fire service training to where we start the training on the outside? We show this build up of fire because the objective in a live fire environment is right to, to show the index of fire, to show the growth phases, to show how fast the fire grows, show it pre flashover, show it post flashover, show the minimum amount of water it takes to knock the fire back in a real world environment. So now we, we do that right on the outside and then the inside's all smoked up full of furniture, right? So we've knocked the fire down. Now we got a smoky environment, the inside full of furniture, full of realistic things. Fire's out. What are you going to do? Well, now we're going to conduct our search operations. Those things, they can occur simultaneously. We're getting real world fire conditions. We're getting real world smoke conditions with theatrical smoke. And we've been able to create a safe fire training environment, not live fire, but live fire training environment. And so those are some of the things I think that changed. We can still add some of those digital panels, right? Maybe that's something that we look at in the future. You know, hey, there's a digital panel on the second floor, you know, for extension to the second floor. We don't need to put fire on the, on the first, on the, uh, you know, there, there's no extension in, within our burn towers, right? So all of us, we, we could put furniture everywhere, but, you know, two evolutions in in a burn tower, you either know the rooms on the first floor and the burn tower there, the burn room there, the second floor burn room. And everybody could, could extend and say it's like, you know, we've all seen that, right? So, you know, if the first room takes a hundred foot stretch, the second floor is 150 or 200 foot, you know, 
what are the, the guys are pulling exactly what they need to do just to, because they're, you know, inherently lazy. <laughs> you know, I hate to say that, but we know that. So I think some of those things, you know, maybe it's not the standard that needs to change, but maybe it's how we train and what we're looking for in our towers. And we need to challenge the industry instead of, instead of saying, Hey, industry, what can you give us? We come to the industry and we say, Hey, this is what we need in a tower. We need to be able to X, Y, and Z. And if we can't do X, Y, and Z, we're looking at another manufacturer that can do it. That was a real political answer if I ever did hear one. So he didn't really answer our question, Sam. He it's just politics kind of, and tactics, man. Kind of, kind of like completely around it, you know, didn't acknowledge anything. Didn't yeah, acknowledge me. Things, he wanted a seat at the table to see if we could get this changed. And he ended up building a high rise for us, but that's okay. He's going to be good at his job. That's what he, where he needs to be. On live, on live fire training, just because we're talking about it, yeah. um, for incumbents, not recruits. But one of the mistakes that I see a lot of companies or departments make is they say, okay, we're going to do our live fire training. So they preset everything up, like everything, not even just the backup and the writ line. They like literally preset up everything. And then they go through the evolutions exactly like they did in recruit school. And I think that in my opinion, that's a mistake. And when I became the drill master in New Haven, I figured, okay, the chances they're going to go to a fire anyway. So what I wanted to do was I would pre-deploy the writ line, have the writ team standing by, pre-deploy the backup line, have them do the walkthrough of the building, but then have them go out into the parking lot and then respond in. And each fire, I would do something different, like park my car in front of the hydrant. And I would just have them do one quality evolution. So they would do the evolution. At the end, we'd critique it. So they were actually pulling the lines off the truck, hooking up the hydrant. And then that would be the morning. They'd have one fire and they'd go back. And then in the afternoon, I'd take another five companies, have five other companies come and do the same exact thing so that nothing was pre-set up other than your safety stuff by 1403. And then what I found is, yes, firefighters still complained when they were coming to the school. But when they got there, when they knew, hey, we're just going to do one real evolution we're going to do, you know, we're going to actually put the ladder, the ground ladder to the roof and we're going to cut the hole. And they actually started to really kind of buy into it. And what I found is when I missed people or somebody got to be on the outside on that one evolution, I was catching them on overtime. I was catching them on another shift and I got through the whole department and it just seemed to be a, what I consider a better way for incumbent training to get them to buy in instead of just, you're going to be down here all day long. And usually most departments don't even provide them launch and they just bitch and moan and they hate the thing. Um, what's your, what's your opinion on that? No, we, I, we literally, what's that? We're talking about incumbents. Yeah. So we literally just did our, you know, our live fire training back in November and uh, we did a similar thing, right? So we bring four companies, we do the first two and then the first two. So uh, the way our SOG is set up the first, you know, first company arrives on the scene you know, does 360 size up forces entry makes, makes water onto the fire. Second company supports that operation. And then, you know, basically conducts a search. And so, you know, but we all know, right. Once what we were finding, right. Is that in live fire, what is the first, once you, once the company that puts the fire out, what do they do? This is a rhetorical, they don't do anything, right. They got the fire, they got the water on the fire and they're like, Hey, my job's done. Is that pretty much what, you know, a yes. lot of fire pharmacy, right? In company training, whatever. And so we were finding that was happening. And we know if it happens on the drill ground, it's probably going to happen in the real world. And so we know in the real world, once the fire's out, like, you you know, if it's a kitchen fire, 
and I got three people on the line, you can have one person on the nozzle hold that fire in check and then search back from the nozzle in the area around the fire. That's what we should be doing, right? So so we changed our training uh, again this year. So, you know, we had a we, we simulated a kitchen fire. We had a, a class B prop uh, kitchen fire. First company arrived on the scene, put a forcible entry door on the outside of the building. So they had to force entry through that door, make a bend into the building. Uh, so we created a pinch point for them, just like a real building would have. And then they had to make their way down a hallway to the kitchen, uh, extinguish the fire. And then they were assigned the first floor search. Uh, so basically they get water to the fire. We would not bring the second company on the scene until that first fire, the water was on the fire. And then the water got on the fire. We we pre-assigned an incident commander that kind of deviated the, the, the tactic. And then that second company then was assigned to do a second floor search. Um, and the rationale was, is, is to your point, we wanted actually skill sets conducted on the training, not just go through the motions of, hey, this is our annual live fire training. We all know we got to get it done, but the sooner we get it done, we're going to go and be able to get back to, to service. And then as soon as they get that evolution done, right, what we would do is and we're part of a training consortium. We pull their hose off like as us as instructors, we yank the hose to the side, pull them off the side. Next two companies come in. They can reload their hose. So so they're reloading their hose. And then as soon as they're ready, man, they're just switching spots. So the first was second, seconds first. And uh, and then we deviate the drill again um, and maybe change it. Just just a small tweak. Uh, just so they didn't know what they're kind of anticipating, right? Whether it be victim locations within the building, a vent or search option or something like that. Um, and so we we found great success for that uh, in our incumbent training. But I, I completely agree. Like you can't just, you can't do recruit live burn training. You know, this is, when you're doing live burn training for recruits, you're, you're exposing them to, you know, the objectives there are, hey, are you comfortable, right, in a room with fire? Uh, hopefully your incumbent firefighters are to the point that they're comfortable in a room with fire in it. Um, they're watching the growth of the fire through, you know, they're going to come in there and probably have a, a position of safety and watch the fire go through all stages uh, and then get to a point where they start applying water and see what the effect is on the fire. You know, for incumbent training, we're, we're looking for, you know, tactical implementation of hose lines and nozzle deployment, we're looking for a proper water application, communications on and off the line, uh, you know, uh, quickness, fluid motions on the line, uh, proper tactics of deployment of resources for second, third, and fourth arriving companies. And so the objectives train change, and when the objectives change, the training has to change. So uh, we, we identified that this year uh, uh, in our consortium, and so uh, we've had great success with that, and I'm, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. And moving forward, we're going to have some different things happening next year too, or this year, 24, so it's good stuff. You know, it sounds like you're definitely on the right track. Sam, you come from a large county. How do you guys do it in Montgomery County? With with incumbents. Yes. So we have a we have an in-service in-service training program. Uh we, we do a, a couple of things. One, uh actually let, let's say there's there's three three main things. We have a um an in-service uh training program, which does um actually we have an acquired right now an old an old um apartment building that we're rotating crews through um so my battalion, I send two and one uh, every shift for an hour and a half, or maybe it's two hours. Um, they go there, do a do a evolution, do a run through. Um, and two and one engines in a truck. Yeah, yeah. Two engines and either a truck or a rescue squad, depending on you know. We, we try to. We, the idea is in, in all five of our battalions to get everybody through at least once. Um, 
and the you know the time frame as you very well know any type of acquired that you get um there's a narrow time frame because they want to knock that thing down or they want to renovate it or whatever so we only have it for a limited period of time but our in-service um training programs done a great job and and uh, really started to identify good places for us to do um uh you know semi-destructive training uh, not not fire training not uh not live fire training but um you know uh, the ability to do some destructive stuff cut roofs um you know break windows four stores that kind of thing and um you know put door props in where, uh, so we can have repeated forces of the same door um, then we also have the ability to detail companies up to the academy. We make a request. We have a burn building. It's a, a propane burn building. Um, so we can have folks go up for that. Um, and then also um, the, uh, what was the third, the third thing? So, well, um, we don't have anything formal where we, we require them to go through a, an annual thing. It's, um, it's, it's basically uh the in-service training program and then either um uh us us making a request as at a battalion level or yeah the third thing a specific company can say hey uh i've got a bunch of new people on my shift and um I, we're not getting a lot of fire duty i want to i want to detail to uh you know to either our academy or to the, the academy in college park for a class a fire and we'll accommodate that we'll, we'll hire um, instructors on overtime safety officers on overtime set a battalion chief down there, get uh, more than just that company, get a couple companies to help them out, maybe their neighbor, neighboring companies that they work with. And uh, that's the way we're able to accomplish it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. She won't leave me alone. Now, <laughs> Brian, do you still, do you, does the Instructor Society still have that 1403 certification mm -hmm. if an instructor wants to get that? Can you talk yeah, about it? Yes. Yeah. So we, we offer a 1403 uh, live fire fixed facility credential, right? So um, obviously it's a three-day program. Um, and we, what I'd like to say about the 1403 program for ISFSI is we teach you what right looks like from a, from an instructional standpoint, right? Um, and so some of the things we're going to look at for this year's revision is, is actually teaching in that live fire environment. Um, that's one of the things that we kind of, we, we are, I shouldn't say me, cause you know, we have a cadre of instructors that are way smarter than me to teach 1403. And so what they identified was, is that, you know, we're going through this 1403 program. We're going through the, the go and stop. Uh, checklists and we're going through all the things but what we're not teaching is 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 for that recruit training what are some talking points right so what are some talking points that we could we could discuss in that live fire environment for the recruit okay move forward what are some live or some talking points some tactical some tactical tidbits if you will for the incumbent fire training right so so we're not just going in there spraying water for 15 seconds for a class a or whatever uh, we're actually having an impact and making a better firefighter. And so that's part of our program we're looking at now is, is the, is the change. But, uh, yeah, it's a three year, uh, it's a three year credential, uh, through ISFSI. Uh, you can renew it every three years, um, uh, with, uh, online training and, uh, and actual, uh, live burn, uh, evolutions that you document. So, yeah, it's one of, I call it our flagship program, but it's, uh, it's really a, a key to the society. Now becoming president, is there anything that you see in your term that you want to change? Or um, I think Sam asked the question, but didn't ask it earlier. If there isn't, what are your like three things that are going to be your focus as president? Yeah. So uh, uh, some things we may look at changing, we, you know, obviously we're going to have the new strategic plan coming out. 
Um, and so that's going to kind of be our, 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 our guiding principles and our pathway for success for the next three years. Um, two of those I'll obviously be the president. So um, and it may may linger into that fourth year a little bit. We know how these strategic plans go, you know, by the time you get the new one in place and that sort of stuff. Um, so I want to see that through uh, through to completion because there are a lot of aspects of that that I think are, are needed for the society to grow and continue to uh, have success. Um, from a big three perspective, you know, I, I think the one is, is that we need to stay relevant. We need to show a relevancy to not only to the instructors, but to the fire service. Um, it's easy to find a niche or a group and, and fall in line with them, but miss the bigger picture uh, of what's going on around you. And so I want to make sure that as an instructor society that we maintain relevance both to our members, but also to the industry as a fire service. Um, I want to maintain relationships and, and build stronger relationships, foster those that we have um, and identify relationships that we can we can grow. Uh, that are mutually beneficial, right? That's what we want to have is mutually beneficial relationships with whatever organization or people um, that can benefit our members. It's not about uh, what's going to benefit Brian or anything like that. It's what's going to benefit the members in the society going forward. And so I really want to do that. And then I think the third thing is really um, just grow the organization. You know, right now we're around 2000 members. We at our peak, uh, this is back uh, when there were some other things going on. We're, we, you know, it, it, a lot of people don't know, but, you know, ISFSI is the group that started FDIC. And so they ISFSI sold FDIC back in the day because of some some reasons um, to fire engineering and Penwell at the time. So, you know, it was a it was a huge organization doing great things. And, you know, we're, we're back to a, an organization, about 2000 members, and we never stopped doing great things. And so I really want to make sure that people understand that and want to be a part of it. And see our membership grow. So, you know, I'm, I'm we're 2,000 members now. I'd love to see us at 2,500 or 3,000 by the end of the term. Uh, it's a lofty goal, <laughs> I know, but I think you know, educating people, being on shows like this, having guys like yourself as advocates for ISFSI and talking about it and the benefits of it, um, I think we can make it happen. So, you know, maintain relevancy, grow the organization, and then build those relationships are really the big three things that I'm going to be looking for the next two years. Yeah, I um, I would I would compel anybody watching that's a that's involved in fire service training, which probably most of the folks that watch things, um, well, everybody's watching every podcast and and a video these days online. That's the beauty. Everybody has a podcast now. How do people have time? I don't even know what to watch anymore. There's so many of them out there. These things in my ear, damn near twenty four seven, just consuming. Uh, There's so much great stuff out there, and. uh, yeah, but it, it um, I, I'd compel anybody that's involved in this stuff to get involved with 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 um with ISF, ISFSI because um, I, I wish I had. I'll tell you why. Uh, the the opportunity, especially if you're going to FDIC or or you're trying to build your training program, the opportunity to have that network at, at your at your disposal to have an a, a, you know you, you you join and then immediately you've got access to folks like-minded folks from different areas of the country. You might see things a little differently than you do, or might have an idea that may work very well in your organization. And I can tell you, man, you know, we all have regrets. And one of my, one of my regrets is uh, my two years when I was at the training academy as the uh, recruit training officer that I didn't take advantage of my membership and, um, and get some, you know, get some, get some new, new ideas, new fresh ideas in uh, via that conduit from, from being a member. Brian, I walked into Sam's office when he was a captain 
and he had a wheel. I think it was called the wheel of excuses. <laughs> when a recruit would knock on the door, they would spin the wheel Jeez. and it would come up with what, they, what the recruit was going to say. And the funny thing is, as a recruit instructor in New Haven, I heard every single one of those excuses in my time. And you should really post either a photo or a picture. Was that what you called it? What did you call it? Yeah, it was the wheel. Of, uh, we had it as the wheel of excuses and then the wheel of consequences as well. But one That's of the awesome. first things I put on there was in my in my recruit school, we had a guy who lost his shoes. They were on the roof of his car, lost them on the beltway. And he, he stood up and said, my shoes are on the Capitol beltway. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's unique. I like it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hey, Brian, we're at the witching hour now, and I know that okay. you have a- instructor meeting society secret yeah. meeting with your water buffalo hat and all that ready yep. to go we put the big hats on and we have the uh, secret handshake and so so you get handshake's a, a good one man yeah if you join you get a rice crispy dakota ring and well I, 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 I can't talk about it. it's only members only only members know so give your <laughs> give your last pitch as uh going to be president and on behalf of this show and fire engineering we uh you know we wish you great success in this new role i think you're going to do a great job. I don't know if you're going to do as good a job as Eddie Buchanan, but you know, those are big shoes to fill. Those are big um, shoes to fill. Those are big shoes to fill, but uh, give your last uh, pitch and thank you for coming on tonight. We really appreciate yeah, it. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me guys. Like I said, you know, uh, ISFSI is great organizations, not just for the training officers, not just for the company officers, for everybody that's in the fire service that's looking to better themselves. If you conduct any type of training in your organization, you're an instructor at your regional academy, instructor at your firehouse, instructor at your organization, whatever, I would encourage you to join the ISFSI. If you're going to FDIC, like I said, simple benefit there is 10% off. If you're doing blue card, that's 10% off. If you're looking for, you know, instructor grams, you're looking for the training, you're a company officer, you're like, I just don't know what to train on tomorrow. There were 169 online instructor grams. They go through step-by-step on how to conduct a company training at various different tactics and and tips and things like that. Um, We have over 2,000 members that are, available at your disposal to contact and, and be part of your professional network. Uh, all of us in the ISFSI are open. Uh, we like talking to people. So, you know, um, as much as I'm talking to these two gentlemen tonight, I, I talk to anybody. Um, I think of myself as pretty approachable. So if you got a question or comment or want to talk to anybody or talk to me, um, that's the great thing about the ISFSI. And like I said, the biggest thing I think the ISFSI does is for anybody in the fire service that's looking to do something outside the norm, is we have the ability to open the door or put you in contact with those people that can get you where you want to be. And so uh, that we, we can be that conduit for you to do great things. Well, Brian, it's an honor to have you on the show. Um, as I said, you're one of those, you're one of the, the foundation of FDIC is to see you in the hall or see your class. You're a great instructor. What classes are you teaching in FDIC this year? So I'm doing uh, creating an aggressive company culture. So it's a, uh, a four-hour class on Tuesday afternoon, and uh, I just want to make sure that everybody knows that aggressive is not just for those companies that go to 10 fires a day and rescue 15 babies. It's for every fire company across America and and how we can achieve that aggressive company culture. Very well said. I'm also going to have Mark, who does a great job behind the scenes for us, put up a link to your website. If you could just send him a, a quick note, yep. and I encourage everybody to enjoy uh, join the Instructor Society. and. Thank you very much and have a great night. Mark, take us off. Thank you.
like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of Enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.